Vanguard Radio, waking you up. Okay, we're coming back live, folks. Let me turn down this music. Don't have a graceful way to do it just yet, so sorry, uh, folks of the Clash. Okay, are you back, Alex? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, uh All right. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. That break gave me a chance to um to get the uh first they want to visit the urinal. Uh section recorded. Uh and you know, this is um a point that I made in um in one of my broadcasts. I haven't done one for quite a while is that um uh White nationalism, contrary to, way the, the, contrary to what the media portrays us, attracts uh, articulate, well-educated people Amen, uh, brother. from all over the country, the South, the West. Uh, I think the Northeast is pretty well cooked, but... Uh, oh, there's plenty of white nationalists up in the Northeast. Yeah, I guess there would be, wouldn't there? Think of Kievsky and all those boys. If we, can get, if we can get our times right, we'll get Kievsky on here one of those times. Yeah. I guess I'm and, wrong about that. Well, not wrong, but I mean, there are people everywhere. Yeah. In Canada, for Christ's sakes. Where it's illegal to talk like this. And you know, the curious thing is, again, you know, I, I was, my, I, I gotta tell you, my father did not really care much for Jews. Uh, it wasn't a main topic of conversation with his. Uh, my grandfather, uh, warned all his children never to do business with Jews. And, um, mm-hmm. So you know, I had a little bit of background, and but my father particularly hated niggers. He had a uh, a construction business, and uh, uh, he you know that he run all through the fifties and sixties, and then sometime in the early seventies, um, they started hitting him with that affirmative action, and he would never hire a nigger. Uh, he 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 would hire a few that had proved themselves, and and he would he would uh, he would hire them that he that he knew and that he knew that would work, but. Um, he knew from experience that most niggers were worthless, and uh, uh, they started. The government started forcing him to hire niggers uh, in a certain number, and, and I'm telling you, it just, it just, it is, it burned him up, and um, it's, it's exposure. Slavery, essentially, it's yeah, enslaving the white man. Yeah, it's to exposure the to these people that causes white nationalism. And they they, de- they know that, and they deliberately reverse the fact. You know what makes more racist than anything is is uh, is, is uh, the army. Yeah, have been in the army. Uh, hate niggers worse than worse than anybody. Once once they've seen niggers up close, they realize that the media is a lot. Although I don't know today how anybody. There must be only a tiny tiny minority of whites that don't grow up at all around uh, niggers and Mexicans, as was even common back in. Back when I went to school in the 70s, there still, you know, we had, I went to Glenbard West in Illinois for a couple of years, and we had maybe five blacks out of several hundred people in the school. They were treated like kind of as pets and exotic objects to be fawned over a little bit. But today, you know, there, there's just fewer areas where niggers and Mexicans aren't just as common as they are. <laughs> you know, I, I happened to hear, Alex, uh, a interview with a... Uh, uh, with a, an enlisted man who's who spent two tours of duty in uh, in Iraq, and uh, I don't know if they use that term today. It's it's, it's been a couple months since I've listened to this interview. It was on uh, that wretched Jew Terry Gross on her program on, on NPR, and um, 
This guy was, was talking. Vomit-inducing Jewish Terry Gross. Yeah. This He's guy so ugly that it makes you want to puke. Oh yeah, and this guy this guy was talking about how things were over there, and you know he described picking up body parts and so forth, and cleaning up his friend that had gotten blown up by an IED. But the other thing yeah. that that he talked about that was really amazing was, and I don't think Americans realize realize this is that uh, he was talking about steroids uh, that were just being handed out like candy. Uh, and the uh, the officers steroids, didn't, huh? steroids, yeah, the, so the troops could beef up, you know, yeah. uh, uh, beef beef yeah. up their bodies, and then the, the then also something that was also ready readily available on the bases was Valium, and uh, yeah. people were swallowing this, including himself. He, Interesting. He, yeah, he said that that you know he says you can get it you can get it directly from the from the base pharmacy with with almost no questions asked sure you just got to go in and say you know i got stress and and they'll give you a ton of valium well, well let me tell you uh i used to write about stuff peripherally involving the dod and what people may not fully realize as much as a journalist who goes to some of these conferences they have in dc and whatever they have such shitloads of money in defense and contracting, yeah, that they they are on the very cutting edge of. I used to write about telemedicine a lot. That's kind of projecting medical expertise using computers, uh, so that you can have a, a say a subspecialist or a specialist examine someone in a rural area or on a battlefield. Well, they have the cutting edge of all this technology because they're trying to get it. They'll they'll say you know you got a gold now or whatever from the guy getting injured the, the first hour or two. If if you can get him right away, you got a chance to save him uh, and basically do better triage on him. So. They're even trying to build computers and stuff into the into the cloth, not only to make them cooler and more comfortable, but to assess, to measure the pulse and the heart rate and the rest of the stuff that the, take their vital signs, mm. transmit that to a distant base and and treat them as rapidly as possible. So this stuff is is and they have the absolute cutting edge on that. It's not private industry that has the cutting edge on that. It's all it's all huge amounts of funds that go into this stuff, and you better believe they're looking. There's been articles about them trying to create soldiers that can essentially fight without sleeping through the use of drugs. So no no doubt they're at the cutting edge of pharmaceuticals and uh, of tailoring and of uh, uh, integrating computers, clothes, and health care. Well, this is, a, this is something that I mentioned on Peter Shank's show one time when I called him up, but I happened to uh, spend some of my days in an area where there was a um, uh, where there was a pharmacy very nearby. And this was an area, uh, kind of a, a chic business district area yeah and uh uh and uh i could look down at that pharmacy uh and and all day long women were coming in and out of there career mm. women and <laughs> I, listen yeah. I, I i had no way of verifying what they were buying i went in there a few times and they and they were they were stand, they were standing in line at the pharmacy section i mean you know the, the, these pharmacies they I have to take the edge off my man yeah, well, they have like a you know they have like a where you can, uh, counter you can buy gum and you know whatever uh, gum and uh, you know whatever batteries or something. But then they have the the counter in the back where you you know you get drugs and you know it could be any kind of drug I guess. But uh, uh, these women were were thick back there uh, in well, in this. Uh, well, they're they're taking all those uh, antidepressant yeah. drugs. I would imagine that's what Fred Reed kind of clued me into that. He said there's not a single woman over. Over, I don't know what he said, 30, 35 or forty. That basically they're all on uh, these fucking mood controllers. 
like Paxil and what have you. And yeah, I want to warn yeah. people that now I came from a Christian Science background, and so I was not real heavily. Uh, and uh, <coughs> you know, their whole thing is don't use doctors, I and mean, that's obviously wacky. But uh, <laughs> and since most of them are hypocrites, they do anyway, or they go to at least they go to dentists and eye doctors. But for the rest, I tend to ignore it. Uh, and, and I actually, that's not such a bad policy mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. You want to stay away from this shit. Um, Paxil, stuff like that has huge side effects. It will uh, destroy your uh, interest in sex, for one thing, is the truth about Paxil, that they, they don't really tell you. And But just in general, and, I, and I'm far from an expert, I'm just telling you what uh, people I've known who uh, or, or things I've read have, uh, have, uh, have found, that these things will fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And their whole point is to get you hooked on them. And then you'll occasionally see an ad like, oh, this is the one, you know, sleep-inducing pill that doesn't cause tremendous side effects. So you're like, what the hell do the others cause? And why would they tell me the truth about this one? I mean, you don't want to pay a bunch of money to fuck your head up. That's what pills are. Sometimes they may help, but even when they do help, uh, you, you don't necessarily know what, what all they're going to cause. So you want to avoid them as much as, as humanly possible. Unless you get a major upside from it, I mean, the only thing I take personally is like Flonase, to uh, to uh, because I'm allergic to a bunch of plants. Well, if, you, if you're if you're living in Missouri, cost, it's you, the worst possible fucking place for people like that. Oh yeah, if, you, if you're living uh, in Missouri, you yeah. better have a big supply of a Sudafedrin. But it doesn't bother me so much as when I was a kid. Thank God, or I I literally I wouldn't be living here if it did yeah. as much as when I was a kid. Because I I loved I tell you if you have problems with that. Really, really bad problems. You've got to move out west. The the quality of the air and light is so much better. You, I have never felt as healthy as when I lived in Utah. Yeah, and I may well move back there at some point because I like I like the west a lot. Although it's it's just fucking ashtray land now, filled with Mexicans and Asians. You know something else uh, that uh, I noticed when I was watching that pharmacy is that all those women that were lining up were white women, sure. and and. Uh, what I subsequently found out in a uh, frontline, this is when I was w- still watching TV, uh, a frontline, this has the PBS uh, hour, two hour, uh, it's the real serious investigative journalism show, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's not so serious, but uh, the drug industry, uh, uh, you know, is uh, is marketing these things, these drugs to, to women in particular, and, and in particular white women, and the people who take these drugs, uh, whether they be white women or, or kids, uh, they're almost always white, and they're almost always middle class. And so these drugs are targeted at, at white middle class Americans, uh, mainly yeah. women and children, by the way. And, and uh, I want you to think, the people listening tonight, just how evil that is that these drug makers are making these drugs. They're psychotropic drugs. Uh, they influence your brain. They influence your behavior. And they're marketing, they're marketing them for ways. women and children. They don't know the, the long-term effects of any of these yeah. drugs. You know, they may test them for 10 years. They don't know what effect this stuff is having. And they create a society that causes psychic misery. And then, yeah. oh, the Jew pops up. Jew creates a problem. Jew has a solution for it. Yeah, yeah. They they want to do everything that if the money of yours that they don't take away in taxes they have other private sector solutions to suck up any disposable income you have. So you, you really honestly you got to avoid spending money, avoid taking drugs, and fuck the juice, and breed and be happy and stay off fucking TV and the rest of the crap. You know, 
the only value I, the value I get out of TV is writing about it, writing about Fox and making fun of it. Apart from that, there's no, there isn't any value to it. It's just taking money from you. Uh, so, it, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right about those uh, those drugs. And you ask people who have taken them uh, what they what they feel about them and how they've affected them. But Fred Reed was really the one who pointed out what a large percentage of uh, he said single white female are taking those drugs. Not a good thing. Well, no, I mean it's absolutely evil, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, I, you know, this word "evil" is, is a difficult one to get around because uh, it's weighted with so much uh, Judeo-Christian nonsense in it. But you know, you got to wonder when you when you're dealing with something on on such a depth. You know, it was was this so crucial for the existence of of a people. If you know they're, they're targeting drugs that affect your behavior, that also affect your sexual drive, uh, mm-hmm. and you know the side effects of that obviously going to be people who are mentally uh, deranged, and, and then and then who don't want to have kids and who don't have kids, and, you know. So I have to walk around each day, and when I when I talk to people, uh, fortunately I mainly talk to white men. But when I talk to people, particularly women, I I have to wonder: Is this woman drugged? Mm-hmm. I and mean, I wonder how many, as I go around the day, I wonder how many people are drugged that I run into that are on some sort of mind-altering drug. And I'm talking a, a legal mind-altering drug, mm-hmm. prescription drugs, over the counter. Well, yeah, over the counter, but but a prescribed drugs. Yeah, plenty are more than one might think. And, it, you know, you want to live a life without highs and lows? I mean, why are you even alive? <laughs> You're a sea slug. Go sit in a tidal pool, you know, where the water maintains a nice even temperature. I mean, that's nutty. <laughs> yeah, you know, life is a, is a struggle. And, you know, part of the reason is this is that I, I think men are capable of this. You know, they're they're capable of dealing with this, um, the stresses of, of battle and of the workplace. But women aren't, and women are forced into these roles uh, by the media and uh, and institutional pressures to become uh, part of the the business world in particular, but uh, but other things and and I and I think that you know uh, the only way they can cope with it is to take these drugs. Yeah, that's that's a very good perception. You know, there, there's because some their natural role is to be is to be mothers of children, and to, their scope is not as wide as a man's. But they they really are forced into this because everything in society points them in that direction. All the laws are set up in that direction, and and so that's what they do. And then they find out that being extremely competitive is not really natural to them. They're more yeah. nurturing, and there's no sco- there's no scope or social approval given for that. And then in and the, the meantime, uh, Larmancha. Uh, or, or and 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 uh, he, he, Lamont, I should say, uh, is having 16 kids with this nigger, mm-hmm. a woman, before he's 25. Yeah, and uh, and so that you know, they, 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 this is what I mean. They run these ads on TV. They run one of the commercials now running is all these people. I want this. I want that. One is I want to have you know the corner office. I want to make it to the top. That's what she says. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole point. Is women don't. That's why even the ones who are highly educated, they are not as competitive as men. They don't want to work as long hours. They Even the ones who get the advanced degrees and get the professional jobs get out as early and don't get on the, the fast track like men do because they don't want to. Mm-hmm. But everything is geared to push them as though they... It's just it's like in the textbooks. Everything is flipped from reality. 
And so you're made to feel if you're normal, you're abnormal. And that, that's, that's what Jewing society means. In a white society, you, you'd show, yeah, some women want to go work and are really competitive, but for most, you know, they, they might want to work a little and have family and they might want to balance them and mm-hmm. have kids and then raise them and then go work at something else and have some hobbies on the side. That's normal life. And they always say, oh, you don't want them to do anything but be pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen. No, I, most white nationalists don't think that way. But, uh, they have the power to lie and spread their lies. And when you say Jews Jewing, we could also use a... a, a, a what a great a, verb, huh? Yeah, it is. And we could also use this term I'm very fond of, the culture of critique. And you see, this mm-hmm. is the culture of critique. It, it, and where does that come from, just in case anybody doesn't know where that... The, the culture of critique comes from a book by Kevin MacDonald. And it, the name of the book is Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin MacDonald, M-A-C, MacDonald. And uh, it, it, he wrote a trilogy about Jew- Jewish ethnocentricity, in particular uh, Jewish ethnocentricity as an evolutionary characteristic. And I really hope everyone takes the time to read that book. Now, it's not for everybody, and I think there's a segment of people that you know might do better with... Um, uh, with the uh, um, Jewish Supremacism book by the, by that fellow, I, I forget his name, but look up the title Jewish Supremacism. But if you're if you're capable of reading a uh, a serious academic book about Jews, it's very entertaining. But it you know it, it takes a, a, uh, takes some concentration and it takes a little bit of knowledge of history and and uh, particularly history of the 20th century. Uh, it's well worth it. Uh, now. One other thing I'd like to get 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 back to uh, Alex about women, and and um, I'd like to tie it in a little bit to, to this, uh, and I'm I'm really promoting this quite a bit. This um, idea of an Aryan community, and I, I've put up a few threads there uh, about mm-hmm. about a, a liturgy, uh, f- founding a liturgy that we could we could replace the Pre- Pledge of Allegiance with, and uh, we could replace the, all that Christian confessional nonsense. Uh, and uh, I've also mm-hmm. put up another couple threads about, you know, uh, uh, other other groups that have uh, formed their own communities, uh, and uh, and their examples. But you know, I was thinking the other day about a government, and and uh, and uh, we we need to have sort of a parallel government, and and I, I think that we want to steer away from from the mistakes that have been made in a lot, and I and I think that we should have. Uh, this is all speculation, Alex, and I'll get your feedback. But we sh- we could have like some percentage, uh, like maybe uh, a-, a council of all adult males uh, over thirty with family, and that mm-hmm. and that and that randomly some percentage of those would serve on a council. Uh, they wouldn't be elected. That every adult male over thirty with a family uh, would serve on a, like a grand council. And there may be one head of the council, and hey, so and so any yeah. disputes and it, it, women would not be allowed to take part in the government, and uh, and so any disputes among the community uh, would be resolved uh, by this uh, council. Well, yeah, certain political problems are are unavoidable and will occur in any system. There's no good yeah. system. Even if you only had property white males over 25 voting, you still wouldn't have good government. It would just probably probably be less bad than the alternatives. But, uh, you know, you encouraged me. I, I mentioned it several times. There's this New Life Covenant 
church here, and it just occurred to me for the first time to try to look it up on the web, and I think I find the link. I'm going to add these to your section on vnnforum.com that we encourage you to join where we're discussing forming these local Aryan communities. Yeah. And we're discussing now building a code to live by and building building a uh, a real physical community made up of families that breed and follow this code that is that essentially is, you know, <laughs> pythons got to live at, uh, in a temperature range between X and Y, and for their eggs to hatch, they have to be between this and that temperature, and for food, they have to eat. Well, we're the same as they are. There are certain conditions that, that are hospitable to white life, and there are certain conditions that are inhospitable to white life. And the Jews are creating conditions in which our people cannot live, and that is proved by their continually moving away and there begins to be less and less space on the globe where we can live and exist on ourselves. And that means the Jews are deliberately pursuing genocidal ends. These are the people who talk about the Holocaust, even though they can't prove it happened. These are the people who are pursuing policies to wipe us out. We have to form a community to oppose them and fight back. And this is what the Internet can allow us to do. We need to take the next step. We're getting the news out there. We're getting the media out there, but we need to take the next step. So... Yeah, I'll add these to the uh, the forum once I research them a little more. But but listen to listen to what this guy says in the page I just pulled up. Uh, this is uh, it says New Life Covenant Church, uh, Kit Tabor, pastor. Uh, welcome to the new and updated website of the New Life Covenant Church in Wichita, Kansas. I hope you enjoy our zoo theme. Blah blah blah. I'm both privileged and humbled to serve the vibrant, growing body of New Life as its senior pastor. Now this is a group that w- was or is in Kirksville and had lots of property and lots of members, and they tithe, and they they. They didn't try to really exert any political influence because I'd never even heard of them until someone pointed it out. But it shows how people can come into a place and function among them and yet keep their own culture. We can do the same. Anybody could. It's an organizational, not really a political matter. Oh, I I absolutely agree with you. I I think that, you know, I think just as throwing this out, the idea that if we can form a community, I think we ought to stay the hell out of politics. Except on the local level. Except on the local level. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're not ready for prime time in the in the well. That's maybe the wrong way to put it, um, but it, it might be a little easier to get started in the local level, and then you would have a basis for supporting yeah. a national candidate and a basis to draw. A, a lot of national politics is having phone trees and people you can call, canvas neighborhoods, and get signatures and get money and direct it to a central known source and known personages who can represent you, and and. Everything forms a hierarchy, ultimately, but we have grassroots individuals right now who feel the same way, and the Internet has allowed us to collect their minds in, in a handful of locations and to talk to each other and develop solutions. Well, we have to go the next step. BNN always leads. The others copy us. After we do a paper, they copy us. After we do radio, they copy us. Fuck them. We're going to lead. We will lead in creating the actual real-world communities, and you can join us if you're of good character. And I'm, I'm per- persuaded this is one of the one of the problems we have to pursue at the same time that we're okay. So this new groups. this new life covenant church, what you're getting at is is mm-hmm. that they have uh, they have it's populated yeah. they have populated your town with their members, and you didn't even know they were there, right? No, I had never heard of them. And then uh, years ago, I think it was a girl I I dated briefly mentioned them to me, and it said that oh yeah the the head cop, I think she mentioned, was a member. She, she knew a hell of a lot of people in town. I didn't know, I really didn't know too many, but, uh, and and he's subsequently been replaced. I don't even know his name, but yeah, and then I, then after she said that, I, noticed, I was like, oh, 
I started to notice a couple of things around town. But yeah, they owned the the old uh, Travelers Hotel, which is a big kind of niced up hotel now owned by a guy who owns strip clubs over in Kansas City named Louis Keene. Is it's kind of a big deal here. But yeah, they owned this big old hotel and they owned a bunch of other buildings in town and they had members and they tied so. I'm I'm wondering if maybe they uh, uh, followed some of the Mormon organization. And that so so they they to what you were saying, where they have organization. I don't know how they're set up. I I only know that they were in town. They evidently had some fairly prominent people. They didn't really push anything politically. I had never heard of them, uh, but I no. I I also heard some. Uh, I think some of my relatives, some of my distant relatives here, had also talked about them a little bit. But I never heard anything really pro or con. Just that they existed and that this is what they did. And there were a fair number of them, but uh, I never really heard much about their doctrine or what their deal is. Well, yeah, well, you know, the doctrine—the doctrines is interesting. You know, the, in some ways, you know, do they believe that Jesus Christ is a Trinity or is he a, yeah, a man? I mean, who cares about that? It, we we care about the mechanics. So, what what, what you have found out is that they do tithe, and that and that they are using some of that money to take over businesses. Or establish them, or buying property, buying properties. Now this and is yeah, yeah, yeah. They were running. Yeah, I went in there actually when they owned it. It, it was a typical crappy Christian style Hallmark slash half-assed bookstore where yeah. you get Christian books, which shit were better off not written, better off left in tree form. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 don't want to go down that kind of a road. I mean, we could certainly uh, you know uh, invest in other businesses, but. That that's very interesting that you didn't even see. This is no, I never. Yeah, like I said, I don't know what their politics are or what their doctrine is. Or you would assume if they were, if they were, I guess they're just living their lives and they have their own little model. But but then again, look at a, a big successful model would be the Mormons doing that kind yeah. of thing, which is uh, uh, they've grown to supposedly ten million members and they have actual functioning communities to the extent that they define for a very long time the state of Utah. And in many sec- sections of it, they still do define it, although less so in Salt Lake than people might think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's how you build a working community where you have actual support. I hate to fall into New Age speak, but support networks for your own kith and kin that uh, whites don't have right now. And they, they do have it uh, through some of the Christian churches to some extent, but yet these, these churches are the ones that are doing such destructive things yeah, if we had one, it wouldn't need to do that. Importing blacks and 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 messing with third worlders and Somalis and the rest of it. Uh, so obviously, an Aryan Aryan uh, community could stay away from all that. But but yes, the organizational model is what's interesting, and I think that uh, uh, what you described is somewhat what the Mormons have is they have a head of the church who's considered in the apostolic line from Jesus, proceeding from Jesus. And and the ones before him and after him and and so that's their little pretension. But below that they have like a council of elders that has about eleven on it. And below that they may have another level. I'm not sure. But the, they, they, it's kind of like Rome, you know. They pick their and, and that's a, a typical organization. They pick their uh, they pick their the head of the Mormon Church out of that uh, out of the council of elders, I believe. Part of the problem though is it's usually a doddering old guy who's on his last legs. Yeah. Well, you know that's. But, that's it's somewhat a, unavoidable. Yeah, it's, it seems to be the way it is. It's, it's everyone trusts the old doddering old guy. And, and the other model is the Warren Jeffs model, where you got one, you know, 
Maybe he had a council below him, but it sure seemed like he ran it as an absolute dictator. Yeah, I don't know much about that. And like I said, we it's, it, Warren Jeffs is the uh, polygamist. Uh, he was involved with a polygamist community, uh, and mm-hmm. and you know what's what's so interesting about this guy is here here is you have a white man that has struck has created a community around breeding, and uh, and you know I don't know the truth about. What the media? When I listen to NPR, and, and I hear them say that he was involved in arranging younger women for older men, and and you know they they've not listed it. They not they've not listed the ages. Like accomplice the rape for setting up underage women. Well, I see they, they didn't say they under did, eighteen or whatever. They didn't in uh, marriages. Okay, the, the the reports I heard on the radio. They did not use underage. They said younger women with older men, and so well, no, that's what. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I've heard both. Okay, I've heard him use underage. I mean, that, that's the thing is, you know, the statutory age is probably sixteen, and they're claiming he used trying to set up like, I don't know, like fourteen year olds or something. And and um, and that's that's not acceptable. I think we all agree. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, still here 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 you got a, a white man who's breeding. And is breeding a lot of kids, and that's great. Uh, and you see the focus and the energy that is put upon this man and by the government. And uh, I tell you, this this um, this I could talk all day about this this uh, foul beast, Alberto Gonzalez. And and of course he's a toady uh, for Jews. But I'm telling you, this guy is bloodthirsty. He likes he he writes these torture memos. He uh, he. He he goes over to Iraq and uh, travels over there in little secret missions and 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 uh, and uh, you know explains why you know torture is a good thing and this is the Attorney General of the United States and uh, and explains why torture isn't really torture and uh, this 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 man this man is is totally evil in my opinion and and the more you he's an illegal out, alien too I mean his parents were illegal aliens yeah they were so under under a uh, <laughs> Actual reading of the Constitution, he's an illegal alien. They've chosen to interpret it that anyone born here is American, but that's not the right way to interpret it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, See, yeah, he's a, this, he's a this, punk. this goes back all the more reason for forming our own community because in our own community, we can control the historical narrative to a larger degree. And we can have uh, people in our community reinforcing, uh, reinforcing our history and say no no uh, america was founded by white people for white people america is not multiculturalism see you can get that coming from all kinds of quarters in our own community ladies tell your man about vanguard radio we're the good guys and we're happening 